Coming up, she is a star of the stage and of the screen from television to movies, from King of the Hill to Jericho, from Rain Man to Donnie Darko. She has been a trailer trash housewife, and she has not often seen a Mexican in a suit. Now she is playing Georgia O'Keefe in Harry Clark's Still Life at the Los Angeles Theater Center, April 29th and 30th, and May 6th and 7th. Our, Our guest is Beth Grant. Gene, that was my introduction to give. That has been a dream of mine and all of ours for a long time. Brody, sometimes I doubt your commitment to the Shaky Town Radio Hour. Shaky Town Radio Hours on the air. I'm Gene George. I'm Brody Foster Hubbard. Well, since I stepped on you earlier, then I will I will I will try to do the introduction. Please do. Okay. You already heard at the beginning of the show who our guest is. Let's just talk to her right now, Beth Grant. Thank you for coming on Shaky Town Radio. Thank you for inviting me. It's great to be here. We are happy to be talking to you today. We are um, here mainly to talk about uh, a new play that you are in. It's called Still Life by mm-hmm. Harry Clark. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we said at the opening of our show, uh, we'll be playing April 29th and 30th and May 6th and 7th at the Los Angeles Theater Center. Thank you. Yeah. Tell me about how... Um, Assuming that's all right. Assuming that, that is correct. research is I, correct. I kind of panicked. I thought, wait a minute, do I have the dates? <laughs> <laughs> but you did the work for me. That's great. <laughs> so how did you get um, hooked up with... Um, Harry Clark in, in this production. Well, uh, Dan Guerrero uh, was at my opening night when I did Grace and Glory last year at the Colony Theater in Burbank, uh, for which I won my third ovation award. Oh, did I say that? Uh, but, not that you're counting. Not, 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 not that I'm desperately clinging to any kind of support I can get in this what? life. Um, but uh, he happened to be there at opening night, and so when he was casting Georgia O'Keefe, his casting director suggested me, and um, because he'd seen me in the play recently, and I was playing a 90-year-old Appalachian woman, and of course, Georgia O'Keefe was not Appalachian, but um, it, I had a similar look mm-hmm. to Georgia O'Keefe, so yeah. he, he invited me to do the part. We did it in Tucson, where Harry Clark lives, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it really is an exciting piece. I appreciate you talking about it. Um, uh, I'm very. I've always wanted to work at Los Angeles Theater Center, and uh, it's the Latina Theater company who is producing it and um it we have beautiful live cello music oh, cool. and classical guitar and an amazing slideshow of georgia o'keefe's work and frida frida kala frida it's not frida okala <laughs> although i do understand there's a large irish population in mexico oh yeah yes that yeah. is not her yeah yeah it's in fact, all i think throughout my father south, was german jewish so all, all throughout <laughs> south america it's it's I, well, my mom spent a lot of time in Mexico when she was younger, and so I, I guess I kind of knew that. And it's weird; it weirds me out. Where it's like every now and again, it's like there's a huge like Amish population in Mexico. Yeah. It's like it's like really <laughs> there's Amish. They're everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, my so. husband used to do a, a little comedy thing about uh, Pedro O'Leary uh-huh. with a little uh-huh. song right, that right. went with it. So that's how I found out about right. it. So. How was uh, the Tucson? Um... Oh, it was wonderful. We sold out, which is always great when you have a wonderful audience. 
and they just loved it. And I, it, the, the conceit is that Frida and Georgia had a great relationship and wrote letters to each other, which is not really true, uh, but that's the writer's imagination. They did have a relationship. They did go to each other's shows. They did visit with each other. Some people think they may have had a, an affair. I'm not saying. I don't know for sure. We found one quote in my research on the Internet where Frida said she had visited Georgia when Georgia was sick, and Georgia did not make love to me too bad. <laughs> so from that, I was off to the races saying, clearly, these women were lovers. Right, but right. we don't really know that. Right, uh, right. But they did have great affection for each other, and they supported each other's work and believed in each other's work. And uh, so it's, it's wonderful in that way. Well, I think that's an interesting take on, on how the arts works in general. You know, I think those kind of relationships, whether they're, you know, I don't know if the word how far they go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, that sort of we we talked about it a little bit on our, on our last episode. Um, that sort of energy or synergy or whatever you want to call it. I, I think I tried to avoid to use synergy last week. <laughs> I, I kind of I've been doing a lot of thinking about it, and it is kind of synergy, I think networking, it's yeah, 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 all yeah, those words yeah, yeah. That we cross, don't like I, I, I like to say cross pollination. Cross pollination. Which I think is ironic in a Georgia talking. We're talking about a Georgia <laughs> O'Keefe. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, now, and Harry Clark, is he playing the cello? Yes, while he's, he is. He's directing and playing. Or well, no, he's, he's not, not direct, dancing, dance directing. directing. And Harry uh, wrote it and is playing the cello. And as you know, he's one of the top cellists in the world. And I just chose to move to Tucson so that they could kind of do their own thing. And he, he puts these shows on. And uh, he's amazing. He and his yeah. wife uh, both. And they're musicians on the move. <laughs> so pretty exciting. Very cool. Very cool. Now, um, I want to ask about, uh, I want to go to the beginning. Uh, with, I know, looking at you, you I know what you want to talk about. Let me guess. Donnie Darko. No. I do want to talk I'm about shocked. that. I'm shocked. I'm wrong. I do want to talk about that. And I do like that movie. <laughs> but we're not there yet. I okay. actually want to talk about growing up in the South. Um, oh, I know you were Me born. as a person? You're interested? You don't want to Absolutely. know what Jake Dillon like? Oh, Absolutely. Great. <laughs> um, because I, I, I know that you were born in um, Alabama. Yes. But uh, you have a lot of, of roots in North Carolina as well, which yes. I love. I, I honeymooned in North Carolina. You did? Where? Yeah, in Asheville. Oh, it's so beautiful. My husband yeah. and I went to, uh, what's that big hotel there that has, it's ancient and they used to go oh. to the Biltmore, the Grand yeah. something? Yeah, it's, um, I can look it up. I think you Grand should. Park. Okay. Okay. I think that's it. I'm not I stayed Parking. actually stayed at Charlton Heston's old house. Um, oh, I didn't know he had a house there. Yeah, yeah. It was um, a lot of guns on the walls. <laughs> not anymore. Now it's a vegetarian bed and breakfast. Oh, oh so, my god, he must be rolling over in his grave. <laughs> that sound that sound you hear is Charlton Heston spinning in his grave. Yeah. <laughs> Beaufort House. That was the name of the place. Beaufort House? Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Did you visit Thomas Wolfe's house? I did not. We kind of just uh, stayed. It was our honeymoon. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Never mind. Never mind. You didn't go anywhere except to the vegetarian. <laughs> what was the name of it again? A Beaufort house. And Beaufort uh, house. we kind of checked out the scene, took the Peaked out the window. purple bus tour, you know. <laughs> but um, you actually were really involved in politics. I was. And I um, I still am in my heart. I uh, My husband will testify to when I read the paper every morning. I'm grunting and groaning and saying, I just don't understand these people. But, uh, yes, I was raised in a very political family. My mom was extremely active and 
campaigned for the ERA, and I was campaigning for John Kennedy when I was 11 years old out on the street corners with banners, and uh, he was a very controversial candidate in North Carolina. I was living in Charlotte at the time, right. and I caused a fist fight in my sixth grade classroom. Nice. And, uh, yeah, brought him down. And uh, it's it's not hard to start a fist fight in a sixth grade classroom, <laughs> but it's kind of hard to get to start a fist fight over politics in a sixth grade classroom. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, fortunately, times have changed a little bit. But this one little redneck said, "My daddy's not voting for him because he's a Catholic." And this Catholic boy jumped up, punched him in the face, and there it was. I was just handing out little pamphlets. Nice. But that's uh, funny. Yeah, you're right. There were a lot of fist fights in sixth grade. I guess that testosterone's starting to happen. I, yeah, you know, I just I'm just trying to. Think Think of I'm just trying to think of all the now, now I'm thinking of all the fist fights today. I, I got into a couple when I was in school. Well, to mostly be, out of school. To be fair, you were quite a hooligan when you were growing up. I, I he was. looks like a hooligan, he does. doesn't he? No, I was a gen- I was I was gentle as a lamb. <laughs> well, because I always because my because my grandfather always told me you're you're going to be really big, so don't get in the habit of hitting people because you'll probably kill them. Oh, because yeah. he, he was a he was a um, uh, amateur boxer, and so he was basically of the mind of you know. Don't hit people unless you absolutely have to. So, are you afraid of your own anger? Is this a problem? Talk to us. Do you want to talk about this? I uh, no, no, I'm not afraid of it. I think I own it. Good. Yeah. Because it can pass through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I tend to burn really hot, and then it goes away, and everything's fine. Yeah. No, but I don't think I'm afraid of that. Good. I think I, I think I'm aware of it. But I was taught from a very early age that it's, you know, don't. Pay attention to it. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 and and uh, don't engage. I guess. Yeah. Scratch a comedian, you get a philosopher. <laughs> I think that's true. It's a compliment. Well, thank you. I love comedians. I think they're. You are an interesting group of people. And Brody's a musician, which is why he's asking you all weird questions. <laughs> and a writer, and we that's will talk true. about that too because we have. But you cool. But you came to the arts through music. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. Totally. What are your instruments? Uh, I play guitar badly, but I sing beautifully. So your instruments, your voice. <laughs> yeah. You should make up for it with your voice. <laughs> exactly. That's what exactly. my daughter said after three years of violin when she had uh, hated practicing so much and I just couldn't stand forcing her anymore. She said, my voice is my instrument. Nice. And I said, good, that's great. I buy that. Yeah. Then we found out that she played by ear, so no wonder she hated practicing so much. She had mm-hmm. to recall yeah. Yeah, yeah. the Beethoven and then play it. We didn't know she couldn't read music. Yeah, so. yeah. That's. I mean, that's how I learned guitar, too, was I played everything by ear. Um, although I, I don't actually play it standard way. But enough about that. Um, <laughs> I want to ask you about working for Jimmy Carter's campaign. Oh, I'd love to. I just was with Jimmy Carter last week. Yeah. How funny that you would bring that up. I was fortunate enough, I just shot a movie in Atlanta, The Trials and Tribulations of a Trailer Trash Housewife. Yes, very excited to see that. I am very, very excited. It is definitely the role of my life. And uh, I cannot believe I did the lead in a major motion picture. I mean... It doesn't happen for a character actress. So it's 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 about damn time. God bless <laughs> Dale Shores for you know who I did Sorted Lives with, mm-hmm. which is a huge cult hit, and he wrote this thing for me and thought that I was a leading lady. I said, "You're insane. I'm Pepper. I'm not salt. I want the job. I want the role of the waitress." And he said, "No, you're playing the hero." And I really fought it tooth and nail, and I was wrong, 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 and I'm sorry, and it just was exhilarating, and I stayed so focused. 
I was uh, kind of insane. My husband and I would talk at night. I said nothing. Very unusual. We'd get on the phone and he would hear, what is that sound? Beth? Beth? I couldn't speak. I was so exhausted. I said, you have to forgive me. I cannot speak. I am too exhausted. Mentally, emotionally, physically, I play a battered wife. Mm -hmm. And I did all my own stunts. And I love doing my own stunts. I've had stunt women in the past. And I've done my own stunts in the past. It is far better when I do my own. For yeah. me. Yeah. I just think you can tell. Maybe other people can't. But when I was doing Jericho, they brought it for my death scene. They brought in a stunt woman. And she was great. And I'm sure she was brilliant. And I'm sure other people couldn't tell. But I could see it. Right. There's no way I would have fallen the way right, she right, fell. Right. I just wouldn't have fallen <laughs> right. that way. I just wouldn't have done it so neat. Right. And a little roll. I just... But they insisted, you know... That, that they use her and I, I want to give people employment and I'm sure. happy to have their help sure. I like for them here's what I like for them to design it yeah. and tell me how to do yeah, it yeah, yeah. and then let me do it very safely but with my passion and character someone blocks it out for you tells you what you need to know to be That's safe and then you're, yeah you go so it was a, so it was a significant a, just you know the amount of lines or being on set the exhaustion or uh, just carrying that whole well, just being in every scene, practically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't in every scene, but I was in, you know, most of them. You're still having, carrying. I had to be the one that takes the story forward, so I was in a lot. The physical, the stunts were very, uh, they were thrilling. I mean, the truth is, I'm an adrenaline junkie, and I love danger, and I love <laughs> excitement and drama, and I was a tomboy. I climbed trees, and I have scars all over my face. So, you know, uh, they, the makeup person was going to give me a scar, and she looked at my face, and she said, Oh, okay. Well, you're fine. (laughs) And I made her put a little thing over here, and you really can't see it. It's just she just took the natural scar and kind of emphasized it. So it was so much fun. I had this great thing called a turtle that they strapped on my back that I get dragged down the hall at one point by my hair. Okay, yeah. And uh, they were being so careful, and I was just telling David the other actor, I said, "Go for it, go for it, just do it." (laughs) So he really pulls my hair. He also has the turtle one, so I wouldn't hurt my back but and then uh, a stunt woman would never have they couldn't have because you can see her face so I was able to really be screaming right into character and holding onto the walls and things that they just couldn't do so it was pretty thrilling so physically exhausted but in a good way and then emotionally to to do the emotion of the character I had to go to I found I was calling my husband that night I had I was so thrilled because you know I'm a trained actress I use my technique and one of our techniques I studied Stanislavski and you know through Strasberg Stella Adler Milton Katsalas was my uh, last and most important teacher and I have this technique that I use when I need it and because it's film I had to go to this very deep dark place over and over and over again so I had to use technique there's no way that in the moments in between cuts that I could just keep in the flow And I went to this place I had never used before of my parents just before I ran away on a Greyhound bus to New York City. You're the first to know this, by the way. Uh, Shaky Town exclusive. Exclusive. I was sailing, and I had a little sailboat, and my parents and I had had this big fight the night before, and I said, I'm leaving. I'm going to New York. I'm giving you fair notice. I'm going to leave. And they had never come down to the beach to watch me sail. And that day I'm sailing and I see them standing on the beach, both of them looking not beach-like at all, you know, right, right. dressed in like regular clothes. And Daddy had on this little hat that's kind of in style now. What do they call those? 
It's not a pork pie, but it's kind of like a little pork pie hat. Those little fedoras? Those? Yeah, like yeah, a yeah. fedora, I guess. Standing on the beach, watching me sail. And I knew that what they were trying to do was kind of make up, and they wanted me to come in and hug them, and maybe we were going to get a bite to eat. But, of course, I was 19. Yeah. I sailed by. <laughs> so I went back, for some reason, to that space and time of sailing by my parents. Now they're both dead. What I wouldn't give to have that day again right, right. and to sail into that shore and give them a hug. And I'm telling you, I flew all day. And everybody was like, my God, how is she getting that emotion? It was the easy, I was so thrilled that technique actually works. You know, all those years of training, all the thousands of dollars that I've spent to be a trained actress, I was actually able to do it. And strangely, when I got back to the hotel, I felt as if I'd been visiting with my parents all day. So... That's the kind of kook I am. I really love that. I felt that I had been with them. And we were shooting in Georgia. My mom and dad are both buried in Georgia. And I uh, took my daughter. She visited on set. We took went down and visited their graves. And this is getting very sad, isn't it? No, it's really not. It's wonderful. Because isn't that what being an artist is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you do absolutely draw from places of pain and sorrow. Um, we were, Brody and I were talking about that a couple episodes ago, or many episodes ago we did. Um, just where that comes from do you you know does it come from things you want to say or does it come from things you've experienced you know and I think one's a very cerebral thing one's a very visceral thing um, you know and where do you get that from you know what's important to you is it important that you're telling someone something or you're feeling something so, and then other people can experience that feeling with you so yeah. and Trials and Tribulations you had done as a stage play at first yes. right okay yeah. how long were you uh, in that production well we did in 2003 we did it we ran about Seven months, I think. Mm -hmm. It was the uh, maximum number of performances you could do without going equity. And then Del Shores uh, didn't want to take it equity and uh, because it's just too hard to make the money, I think. Oh, and then also he was on Queer as Folk. He was on staff. And, yeah. and we were optioned for Broadway at that time. So anyway, we closed after seven months. But we were still a hit. And so then he did a revival three years later in 2006. And uh, we ran that whole summer, and then we did a production in at the Edinburgh Theater in Pop Springs, and, and um, it just worked out. My cousin has a, a, a production company in Atlanta, and we'd been looking for something to do together, and we talked about a lot of different projects, and then I said, you know, I think this might be a little too rough for you. It's kind of R-rated. Yeah. I don't know what your investors in the South would think about this, and he said, well, I'm vulgar. Give it to me. <laughs> I said it was a little vulgar. It might be a little vulgar. And right, he said, well, I'm vulgar. So um, he, I called Dale, and unbelievably, Dale had just broken the screenplay and, and was interested in doing it. So then Bobby loved the script, and one thing led to another, and we got it done. And that was from the idea and inception to finishing the film a year. So that's pretty quick. Wow, yeah, that? that's yeah. a really good yeah. turnaround time, considering yeah. some stuff languishes for years. Years. And the editor's halfway finished already. That's how quickly it can go now. So. We shot on Super 16, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Nobody's doing film anymore. We actually shot on film. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. What, what um, challenges are there from going to, would you say, at least from on your end, from stage to adaptiveness for the screen? Well, the thing that everybody says is you got to open it up. you got to open it up. And I think dinner with Andre. Yeah, <laughs> there's know? a number of things where... <laughs> there, you know, uh, Trip to Bountiful. There are a lot of great plays that... They didn't open up that much. We did open it up quite a bit, as much as we could. It all takes place in a trailer and a bar. But we did, there's a fantasy uh, person that I see, a blues singer, which we open with. And we put her in a great juke joint. Mm -hmm. And so we have great blues music nice. and fabulous. And 
So that opened it up, and then we have her in a church, and we have the blues singer there, and then we have the bar, and we did do that on location. And oh gosh, I can't think of the name of the North Tavern in Atlanta. It's supposed to be this historical, very famous bar in Atlanta. We shot there. And um, then I get a job at one point, and we go to Value Village, and I'm working at Value Village. <laughs> and then we opened it up in the trailer court because we, of course, couldn't do that on stage. And we created, uh, we have a, had a lot of extras and um, other characters created that uh, really made it wonderful. And this big violent scene at the end, we were able to really take it out into the court. Right. And uh, our, my co-stars are uh, Octavia Spencer, who's starring in The Help which opens August 12th and based on the New York Times bestseller uh, that DreamWorks is producing. <laughs> and she's in it. And she's my next-door neighbor. And there's a shot of her. I, I guess I shouldn't say too much about what happens, <laughs> but there's a big violent scene at the end. And she is running and screaming. And, oh, my God, it's just fabulous. So that alone was worth doing it. And then Dale Dickey, who just yes. won the Spirit Award for Winner's Bone, plays the other woman. Jean, do you watch Breaking Bad? Uh, we started watching the first season and then okay like, so. I don't know if you've gotten her yet but she's she's great on yes. Breaking Bad yeah, and she plays a it. drug dealer or a drug addict she or? plays a drug addict I, I believe her name is Mrs. Spooge you know, <laughs> on the show that's great <laughs> I, I would I will give a golf clap to that later on <laughs> well, I love Brian Cranston he's an, a good and old yeah. friend of ours and we've been very happy with his success he's yeah he's like uh I mean, he's like, the, I was going to say the opposite of Susan Lucci. Not to pick on Susan Lucci, but like, I mean, getting that Emmy every year. Well, it, interestingly enough, that he's a good lesson in uh, putting your ego aside and being of service because he did Todd Holland's, I believe it was his student film. Mm-hmm. And when Todd Holland was casting Malcolm in the Middle, guess who he remembered? Right. Right. And that's, you know, of course, I mean, he was already a working actor, but that certainly made a huge difference in his career yeah, so yeah. I'm sure he's yeah he's him. I mean he's one of those he's one of those guys that I, I can't think of anything I've seen him in that I haven't gotten he's, he's really good and he's such he's a good person really, really he directed good. a feature film for his wife as a valentine to his wife to star his wife because he knew she was such a wonderful actress and you know his career had started taking off so he wrote and directed her in a feature film yeah and he loves his daughter he's a good man yeah I've heard nothing bad not noticing nothing bad, but not such a good man on that show, I guess. <laughs> it depends on your perspective. Yeah, yes. <laughs> mixed, uh, mixed. Yeah, I think it. Uh, yeah, I think he's. Uh, yeah, forced by circumstances, okay. shall we say? All right, made some interesting. Quite questionable choices. Yes, yes. Yeah, the, the morality is is questionable. It's the same fight that people have over Bill Paxton's character on Big Love. It's like, well, he's doing the best he can. It's like, but he's kind of being selfish, and yeah, right. Right, right. Well, we like complex characters mm-hmm. yeah. because we all are complex. Should reflect real life for mm-hmm. sure. But that that I think is the, the the key to whether you open up a stage play that takes place essentially in one set. You know, it's like I think people accept that in a stage play, but you know, if you don't kind of see outside the windows of the trailer, then yeah, it, it gets kind of weird. I think you, we did a good job opening it up. I mean, we have to. You yeah. want to feel the prison that she lives in and the claustrophobia right. I mean she does venture out occasionally but it's it's important that you create that but yeah. then she does live in the world so I think we did a good job Dale was just on fire you won't believe it but we were able to shave a couple of days off our schedule and we shot it in 15 days wow that's I mean we had the most true, yeah. awesome crew David Sanderson was our director of photography who also was the DP on the series of Sorted Lives mm-hmm. and he and Dale worked brilliantly together and they really worked to design the movie, and we had this great crew from Atlanta and then from Nashville, and uh, they just knocked it out. I know short films that don't 
is shot in 15 days. <laughs> I know. Mine, the one I directed, I directed a short recently. I don't think we made it in 15 days total. I mean, we did a lot of pickup shots. Right, right. Was that the Girls, Girls, Girls? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And our, our particular short is called The Perfect Fit. And uh, it was really challenging. God bless directors. I am such a nicer person to directors now for the rest of my life. I don't think I will ever complain about anything again. Yeah. If I do, I should be slapped. Well, you know, I it's think the hardest job. It's it's kind of like they're like the parents. It's like it's like until you are a parent, you have no idea what the responsibility is and and the thing it entails ironically talking about my daughter a moment ago but <laughs> but uh, yeah you know i think you get an appreciation for coordinating all that stuff and, and just all the things you have to have on your brain at the same time and if you really knew you would never do it and then after you do it you love it and you get hooked i yeah, mean yeah. i can understand why you keep doing it yeah, because yeah, yeah. it is exhilarating yeah yeah both parenting and directing <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's i mean I, I think i think there's a lot of the same components of seeing something you know from uh, uh just nothing to an actual you know person or a film well, you know it's interesting or, my husband helped me a lot on my short and mm-hmm. in fact we bought one of those new canon cameras a 60d yeah, yeah and some of my favorite shots in the movie he did mm-hmm. and he had never worked the camera before he had to right. learn how to work it oh it's such a they're great those little canons yeah but anyway, we kind of did the movie like parents. That's funny that you say that. I didn't think of that, but it kind of was. The hardest part for me was the alone part that you have to do by yourself, though, as a director, where you sit and you have to envision the film. Yeah. You have to, in your mind, in your imagination, sit, at least this is the only way I could do it, and see the shots and see what it looks like and you can get input from all these people and I had a, a great DP who brought in so many ideas and and my husband and the production designer and the producer and the actors of course brought so much and the writer gave me a script to work with all of it was great but in the end I had to sit yep. and say what does it look like what what's happening what am I trying to say what's this moment about Ooh. Yeah. That was the and do that part. over and over and over again. Oh my yeah. gosh! But in the moment while you're shooting, yeah. you don't have time to think. No, so no. it's just kind of like add this, do this, move this. You know that wasn't quite right, and that part's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm with you. Although there there was this one moment when the DP came over to me and said, and I said. And then I went to the first AD and I said, what did she say? And she said, la sha sha ta beep beep beep. And I realized that my brain had turned to mush and I could not understand spoken English. Nice. And so I said, okay, we're going to go over here now. I just, I just made a decision anyway. You know, I didn't know what they were saying, what their advice was, yep. what they were thinking. I could not understand English. That so explains like, a lot of decisions directors, <laughs> I think. I think so. Oh, what was the name of that Twilight Zone where um Oh uh Shatterday? Yes, Shatterday. Yeah. Where where that happens to the Oh, I don't know. Is it Robert Kleinman? Yes. That's the it was the new Twilight Zone oh, of the eighties. Yeah, and Robert Klein. Yeah. Uh he he it's like a what is it is it not not Glossolalia. What's the the one where you He basically he loses the ability to to speak and understand English. So he essentially has to, um, and everyone's speaking gibberish to him, and and uh, uh, so he has to start from the very beginning with his daughter's ABC books. Oh. And it's but it's it's really good. I mean, it's a 
Well, that's what well happened done. to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you had your, your own Twilight Zone. I understand. <laughs> I didn't see the new Twilight Zones. I love the old ones so much. But yeah, they were all right. My were favorite. Right. I was a huge fan of the old ones. Yeah, the, the, my favorite one was the guy when it was went down. He snuck down in the vault to read at lunchtime. Burgess Meredith, yeah. Oh, well, time man. enough. Uh, time enough at last. I think is that that's the one. You uh, know them all. I can tell. Well, I used to watch them. They used to come on when I was little. They used to come on Bonanza and then Twilight Zone used to come on so uh and it was lunchtime because when um bonanza was halfway done uh that means that lunch was almost there and then we'd eat lunch on twilight so. <laughs> so chatterday was actually the bruce willis one robert klein was in wordplay which oh yeah yeah so word, wordplay, wordplay, wordplay. wordplay which makes one. sense as a title yes yeah yes. yeah, yeah. chatterday is the other yeah no, chatterday is the one where he's a double yes yes okay. um Thank you for looking that up because I would have looked a fool. <laughs> Some on the fly fact checking. Thank you. Um, oh, and you said so. You said that President Carter came to visit you. Oh yes, I was yeah, we're like totally the kind of rabbit hole from that. Well, I'm I'm friends with President Carter, but not that good a friend that he would visit me on the set. But I visited him oh, at his cool. center, and I had about two minutes. Yeah, yeah. But nice. but it was really wonderful. My uh, cousin Bobby. Uh, Reardon, we used to say when I grew up, we said Redden because we didn't have an R in deep Georgia. Right. But then when he moved to Atlanta, they started saying Reardon, so now he's nice. Bobby Reardon. But he was very good friends with Jimmy Carter. In fact, uh, helped him. He was his point person when he was running for governor and then got on board with his campaign very early because he was friends with Hamilton. And they say in the South, Jordan instead of Jordan, but Hamilton, Jordan. And uh, so they've been friends for many, many years. And then I was. Uh, Carter's celebrity coordinator here in nice. Hollywood. Which, what does that entail? I mean, just um, like wrangling, co- wrangling celebrities, yeah. trying to get people to make events. Uh, my big uh, coup was getting Cher on board, and it was so obvious that she was on her television show with Sonny every Sunday night, talking about Jimmy Carter and how much she loved him, but no one had called her. Yeah. And so I found, I got her <laughs> assistant's name. Nice. And then her assistant put her on the phone with me, and she got on the phone, and she said, why doesn't anyone call me? And I said, well, we're calling you now. <laughs> and uh, so I put her to work, and she would do various events, and chastity, now Chaz. Yes, I remember yes. trying to get her to dress up like a peanut, and she refused. I don't blame her. I think she did make the right choice. Uh, but I did get a few people, a few children to dress up like peanuts. God bless them. <laughs> no, one, no one should be forced to dress no up like No one should be able to. I mean, it's just, it seems like such an innocent time back then I, today you would never ask children to dress like right parents, right right that right. was a, it was 1976 and if you did and if you did it would be like some horrible news story that would never go away <laughs> that would never go away haunt you all yeah, your completely. life yeah completely haunt the you worst, all your life the worst thing ever well and his library is fabulous first yeah. of all this man who in this world has done more for humanity than Jimmy Carter yeah. no one yeah. I mean I can't think of who that would be because yeah. he's he's maybe Mother Teresa and Gandhi, but he is right up there, pretty close to those two. Yeah, no, I mean Martin Luther King. There yeah. are a few. Yeah, I mean he's. I mean his philanthropic, his you know philanthropic efforts are, are unbelievable. The diseases yeah. that he has literally cured. I mean, it's. I'm just so honored to have been the tiniest, tiniest part of that campaign. My biggest thrill was the last rally downtown Los Angeles, and we had Warren Beatty, and mm-hmm. Warren did a lot. And Warren said, call me when you get down. There was before cell phones or beepers or anything. So I had to go find a phone booth. He said, if nobody shows, I'll come down. And I said, okay. So we got a bus, and we started inviting people. And I am telling you, 
Everybody said yes. So I got off the bus, and Lou Wasserman, head of Universal, was there, and Herb Steinberg, and I've forgotten all the big shots from Hollywood and all over the country, and they're sitting there at this rally, and off this bus walks, and I am not kidding, lucky me, Shirley MacLaine, Cher, who brought with her Diana Ross, (laughs) Dion Warwick, at the time, Gabe Kaplan, who was huge, number one television star, Hal Linden, number one television star. I mean, I had a bus load of the hottest celebrities in Hollywood, and I literally see Herb Steinberg, I mean, uh, Lou Wasserman lean over to Herb Steinberg and say, who is that woman? And I'm thinking, (laughs) I'll call him tomorrow. (laughs) And I did actually, and I got into a producer's training program at Universal for a year, and I didn't get paid, but I got such wonderful opportunity. I worked on a television show called Switch with Robert Wagner Mm -hmm. and uh, Eddie Albert, Charlie Callis, and Sharon Glass when she was a young ingenue, so... Fun times. Yeah. yeah. See, I'm I'm in my 40s, so I I for for those we do have a lot of listeners who are younger. That that is not an ironic thing. Gabe Kaplan, Welcome Back, Connor was awesome. It and it broke John Travolta. Yeah, John Travolta. That's right. Wow. That was his first real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Popular, before yeah. Saturday Night Fever. And before Saturday Night Fever. Before, Which is a classic film. It absolutely is. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. Times. So it's and and uh, it's funny you mentioned uh, um, Hal Linden because. Uh, uh, TiVo's been grabbing episodes of Barney Miller, and I'd forgotten how awesome that show is. It was one of the and best that had a lot of, I mean, fabulous guest stars too. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, can't think of any right now. No, Linda Lavin. There were a lot of people that would come on New York actors that would mm-hmm. come and do guest yeah. spots on. Yeah, show. I, it's it's still a really good show. I mean, I'm surprised that it doesn't have as you know as, as big a, a cachet, I guess, as other stuff. Yeah, now, <clears throat> you had done a. Um, before even before Rain Man, which was your uh, first, that was my big break. Big break. Sure. Yeah. You were you had done a lot of, of TV work, and you've continued to do um, TV work. I I in my research hadn't realized until I I found out you you actually did a lot of voice work for King of the Hill. Yes, I yeah. love doing King of the Hill. Yeah, I was so lucky to be on that show. Um, I replaced Tammy Wynette when she passed away. Who mm-hmm. she played uh, Hank's mom. Right, right. And then of course um, they invited me to do a lot of other. Smaller roles, but oh, I, every time they would call, I would just be thrilled to death. And then I got to work with Mike Judge on a live action feature called Extract, Extract a great movie, which is yeah. a great movie. Yeah, it is a great movie. I love I just that saw movie. It from recently. Yeah, and uh, it's, so I was so thrilled. I love Mike Judge. I'm a huge, huge fan of his. I just, you know, and I hear he's bringing back Beavis and Butthead. That's right. Yeah. Actually, I'm um, Chip Pope and Howard Kramer, who are our two comedians. Um, uh, who are very popular in I I can say the scene that we're kind of yeah fans the of alternative what we call the alternative comedy yeah yeah they're like head writers for it I think or are they are they actually are I they don't know if they're staff, ha- or staff writers or? Oh, okay. but, but yeah yeah because yeah. I was gonna say that's a coup yeah that's great well I'm just thrilled that he's doing something that's fun for him he's just a great guy and he's yeah. so funny he and I had the best time on Extract because my role model for the character that I created was this woman who had been my mother's secretary. Uh, I guess since she's dead, I can say her name, right? Lorraine McAmore. And she was the first um, out lesbian that I ever knew. And um, she was a lipstick lesbian. Mm -hmm. She was really feminine and had this little teased hairdo and and lipstick. And she was just a stickler for rules. And she was keeping that office running and complaining about everybody. But on the other hand, she was constantly late. And she had all these applause. And so my mother was was like, ah. But my mother loved her. I loved her. She was great. And her, what would today be her wife, was, you know, uh, completely different. Anyway, they were this 
very <laughs> eccentric at the time in the 60s for me, couple. And so I thought of Lorraine and this woman on the factory. And so I told Mike, I said, oh, I know this character. And so when we were working, uh, if he wanted me to if he, to remind me about my character, if he felt like I was slipping, he'd say, Lorraine McLemore, Lorraine McLemore. Go, oh, yeah, right, right, right. And I'd get back in the frame of it. And, oh, I just had such a good time working on that. Yeah. And it was actually when my, the, the last week was when my mom was passing away. And literally, she was out at motion picture home and um, I looked at my schedule for the week and I was in every scene every day I had to go to work and I didn't want to tell Mike because you know the director doesn't like we said before a director's right, job right. is hard enough that they don't have to know that their actor's mother right, right. is passing away it's like shoot but um I it was just I did tell um actually Mila uh Kunis is that the way yeah. to pronounce yeah. her name she is the sweetest person we were in the makeup room one day and I got a call that um, you know, that it really was going to be ours today's. And, of course, I started to cry. And so Mila started talking to me. She brought me a little pamphlet about death. And she'd come over she and carries, hold my She hand. carries grief counseling. Yeah. Yeah, that's what, <laughs> see, that's I, the kind of... I've, I've heard that's <laughs> what my girl she is. <laughs> no, she was the next day. She brought oh, okay. us that. <laughs> But she was so awesome to me. And I just love her forever. You know, yeah. actors can be such good people. Honestly, yeah. Sandra Bullock was like that on Speed, too. Um, I always say the movie, not the drug. We did speak together <laughs> the movie, not the drug. But I, I left my baby was nine months old uh, when I did Speed, the movie, not the drug. And Sandra Bullock was so there for me. I was distraught. You know what it's like. You're a dad. Yeah, yeah, totally. I did not want to leave. I left the house at 530 in the morning. I got home at 730 at night. And I wanted to be with my baby. Sure. And she couldn't come to the set because we were shooting on a live Freeway, yeah. and I, it had never occurred to me when I was booking the job that that would be the case. It uh -huh. just didn't occur to me. Oh, yeah. And we had rehearsal, and I went, "Wait a minute, where are the trailers going to be?" And they said, "Oh, they're way mm -hmm. over there." And I was like, "Oh no, this is not good." But Sandy was there for me. She would joke with me. You know, we had chocolate four o'clock, and we <laughs> would do salsa dancing, nice. and she saved my life. So I am devoted to her for the rest of my yeah. life. I, I, she was she's another one that I've heard nothing but good things about. Nothing yeah, I don't think there is anything but good about there, her. She's yeah. just the best. No, she seems like a nice person. She's a good person. She's down to earth. Mila Kunis, I, I met her on the set of that 70s show, and she was one of the few. Uh, she and um, uh, Danny Masterson um, were the a couple of people who stayed behind to talk to folks and sign autographs and things like that. Very yeah. down to earth and what a great wild Russian family she has and her stories are really funny. <laughs> she's just so down and to earth. And she's cute too. She's really, I mean, Beautiful. She, she looks great on the screen and when I saw her in person I was like, wow, she's really gorgeous. I mean, gorgeous. it's rare that you see somebody where it's like, yeah, they look okay on TV and then you see them in real life you're like, meh. But uh, it was totally the opposite. Yeah. So, wow. They, do they tone her down? For yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's beautiful. Yeah. Good person. There are a lot of good people in the business. You know, I, I see, miss, uh, I've had really largely, I'd say ninety nine percent good experience. Tell us about the one percent. Yeah. Everybody wants to know. <laughs> yeah. See, I don't want to know. But that's the thing is, I really, I, I don't, I don't think knowing about them, well, unless, unless it's a very much like avoid this person because they're going to, you know, rip you off or something. But I, I generally, my experience is at least with the comedy world is. There are far more good people who want to do good things than yes. there are bad people who want to do bad things. And the people that are sketchy stand out. Yeah. Well, and usually they're just, you know, in a lot of fear. There's something going on that yeah, just yeah, makes yeah. them scared to death. And, yeah. and, and maybe they have a drug problem. Or yeah. There's, there's some mitigating factor. Yeah, there's something going on. Yeah. It's, uh, cause, because I'm like you, most people are just fabulous. 
And I wonder too. I wonder too because you've been, you know, you you're basically you're in the trenches working. And I mean, I wonder if because the whole fame thing, you know, when people get really, really famous, really, really rich, really, really soon. I mean, look at the whole Charlie Sheen implosion thing that's going on. It's like I wonder too if you know most of the people I know are you know kind of in that same position and they're doing character work or they're doing stand up or they're touring and you know they're they're you know putting together web series or things like that and it's not. That's I can't imagine what that pressure is like to be. I can't either. Uh, you know, a Tom Hanks or somebody like that at that level of like everyone. To never go and never go and you know that it's true. Most of the people who are approaching you do want something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even if they're well intentioned, yeah, yeah. even if they're being of service to you, they're going to be asking for something. Yeah, I think yeah. That would be really hard, and it makes you understand why people stick to their old friends. Right. You know, because how can they ever know? Yeah, I think you it's just a tough don't know. job. It's you a tough know. job. But, you know, speaking of younger people like Mila, you see, I work with so many young kids, and it seems like they're doing great. This new generation is so on it. And they, even though I know you have some horror stories, there are a lot of people out there that are really taking responsibility for themselves, and they are creating their own projects, and they putting together teams like I worked with this Lauren Miller who um, I guess Lauren A. Miller is her writing name she wrote the short that I directed um, she happens to be engaged to Seth Rogen but she is her own person she's strong she's beautiful she's funny she's a great writer she's producing a feature film that she's starring in and she and her brother raised the money and she's I mean she has got it going on and all of her friends are like that too yeah. um, a lot of um, the young women who approached me about directing this short, I mean, they're just, I'm impressed. And I'm learning from them, and I'm sticking to them like glue. Because yeah. they, it's like they know stuff. Well, and we sure, didn't know when we started. I, I, really I wonder, too, if because I, I think the business has changed so much in the past, like, you know, 20, 25 years, where you, you almost have to be really you know bootstrapping yourself even more and doing your own stuff and organizing so the people that are actually rising it's it's not like you have the studio system where you could literally walk out on the street and go that blonde right there get her in makeup and if she can you know read her lines if she can read english to a, a basic level of proficiency you know we can you know throw her on the screen and, and you're done with it and i think nowadays it's a, one of the kind of the ideas behind this podcast is you know let's do something ourselves we'll, yeah. let's do it ourselves and and you know make make our own well that's we exactly like why so, i responded to your well, facebook request because i thought i just admire that so much i mean yeah. it really uh, it's what we have to do but i think maybe that's maybe that's the reason why you're getting a, a different sort of you know a new yeah people who actually want to do what, yeah. what they're doing and and are dedicated and, and I won't say professional because I think there's a lot of professional. There's always a core of professionalism. I would say I would call it like there's more business savvy now, and I think there's a lot more programs for people to learn the business. Like you mentioned, the producers program at Universal, Mm -hmm. and you know there's like a lot, um, still a lot of good writing fellowships and programs that the you know different studios have. Yeah, the internet. You have access to any information that you need. I mean, you can take. Yeah. You know, and there are all these industry <laughs> magazines you can read. It's classes. not a bunch of it's not a bunch of like the fourth grade dropouts with cigars and half glasses perched on their heads. <laughs> like, then we need to get some more. <laughs> you know, pounding on their giant oaken desks. It's, it's very exciting. Our daughter is eighteen and she's actually we're so excited she was just accepted to Juilliard and she's gonna oh, be wow. a freshman next year. 
which was her only school that she was interested in. So thank God she got in. <laughs> um, but my husband has said to her over and over again, you've got to, you know, make your own movies, write your own projects. And she has. She's, you know, directed yeah. quite a few little short films and always, you know, been interested. But I think that... Um, it's an egalitarian society now, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And everybody's got a shot. And yeah. it, even that girl that sang Friday, Friday, <laughs> I mean, good Lord, and yet I can't get it out of my mind. <laughs> she's she's going to make money on it. I mean, it's... it's uh, uh, the, 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 and I, Did we talk about this in an episode? I think maybe we just talked about it in our, our own personal life, but um, the, the part that bothers me about that is not that... She's singing a bland pop song, which there's there's a ton of bland pop songs out there. That's fine. It's the part that really bugs me about it is the other side, where people are just hating on it, hating on it for no reason. It's like, how many songs have you written? Crappy or wonderful? <laughs> you know, how many songs? What have you done to merit? You know, yeah, at least she went out there and did something. Yeah. Well, you know? I can't get it out of my mind. <laughs> right, right, right. I've only, I, I've only, I've only listened to it a couple times. So, did I you see going. Stephen Colbert's? Uh, I did not. Oh did my not. God, it's so worth YouTubing. Oh, I'll YouTubing. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's how old I am. I just showed my age. YouTubing. It's yeah, like, I, I think it's a verb. I think you've turned it into. I used a to call it YooHoo, so I've improved. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter would drive driving crazy. Nice. I said, "Check on YooHoo," and she'd say, "It's Yahoo and YouTube." <laughs> <laughs> I well, at least I know how to look things up now. Yeah, yeah. But it's you're, pretty you're funny. You're ahead of a lot of people I know. It's so, pretty funny. And related to it. So. <laughs> right. No, I, I, I have relatives who still not heard this show. So um, I, want, I have to ask you about this because I just saw it on uh, your IMDb. I, I loved Bakersfield PD. Oh, I, and I, classic. It, it doesn't seem like a lot of people remember that show, but... There were some good people on it. Jean Carlos Esposito. Yeah. And um and uh and Brian Doyle Murphy. I mean Murray. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or Murphy, depending on how you, you made spell a it. I <laughs> you, you, I mean, you, you. I'm pretty sure he's probably been called that before. <laughs> You've been. It's probably Irish. <laughs> If not a full-fledged series regular, you've definitely had a lot of reoccurring roles on stuff yes, like it's really Everwood, fun. Yes Dear. Mm-hmm. Um, Love know. working on Yes Dear, Greg Garcia. And I then I did Earl for him. I married Earl, in fact. Earl, did he get married more than once? Or am I his only wife? That, that I, Other, I mean, he had his ex-wife on the right, show. Right, right, right. But we had to get an annulment because I had an affair with the <laughs> singer in the band because, you right. know, they always love the singers. <laughs> and so <laughs> he caught me with the old codger who was the singer. <laughs> and then probably most recently, well, I don't know, most, most recently, um, but... Um, uh, Rain Wilson on The Office. You oh, there's a romance there. <gasps> How brilliant is that guy? I know, isn't that a little creepy? I was his babysitter, and now I was his date. It's, and I look like a Mormon, for sure. <laughs> hairdo and no makeup. Oh, bizarre, bizarre. He w- You know, that show is so much funnier than people will ever know. Because they have to cut. They have to right, you know, get it right, down to right, 22 right. minutes. Yeah, yeah. And the script is brilliant to begin with. Mm-hmm. And then they start their riffs. And I thought I might die of a heart attack trying to suppress laughter that week. And I did. I never break character. I just don't. I've broken character twice in my entire career. 
And the, one of the times was Steve Carell. Now, I don't know if he went for me more because he knew me from <laughs> the sunshine. I'm not sure. Right. But he gets that look I'm in his eyes. I'm going to say probably yes. He gets that look in his eye <laughs> where he's like a laser beam and his mouth is going and it is off the charts bizarre and R-rated and I'm holding that daggone cooler I don't know if you remember we were at the party we were crashing his dinner party and so Rain has this cooler where we bring our own dinner and I'm holding the cooler and we're trying to get in there and Steve turns those laser beams on me and starts going with this I'm hearing like you know something test I don't know. And I, I, I am determined. I am not going to laugh. So I'm holding this thing and I'm going... And this strange sound's coming out of me. My head goes down. And then my head comes up and tears are streaming down my cheeks. He says, and now she's crying. Oh, and he, go, he just, whatever I gave him, he used. I thought I might die. That's improv training. Oh my God in heaven. Funny scene. And Rain, he's eating those beets. We have beets. And I'm over there sucking on a beak. I have it in a fork and I'm like, and he's eating and he's going, "Mm, mm, mm, mm." and they have a little of that. But he did it for half an hour. Yeah, I wonder how much do they overshoot on that? Though? They overshoot. I mean, they they how can they? What are an they going to do? Because <laughs> everybody goes. And at first, you know, I thought it was just me because the first thing I shot is right. our entrance. Then I get in there and I realize they break all the time. Yeah. And they're always saying, "Sorry, sorry, yeah. oh, excuse <laughs> me, sorry, 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 sorry." It's too funny. Yeah. yeah. It's, I wish they could. Do a couple of shows. I wish they could get outtakes and do a couple of shows. I wonder if they, outtakes. I wonder, you know, that would be something. That would be a, we'll it's a put whole this other out there. series. We'll put right. this out there. Yeah, let's the, call Greg Daniels right the, now. Or maybe for like the DVD, they should just do like an entire. Well, you know what though? But, but you know what they did? They did Genius. something similar with um, uh, Ron Burgundy with the Anchorman. Anchorman yeah, because yeah. they did they did a second movie. They they cut an entire second movie. With a with, with some Carol. weird yeah with some weird B plot that they never used in the in well the, I tell you let's do put that out there because it would be hilarious huh. our episode alone <laughs> would be an hour's worth I'm telling right, you they right, are right. geniuses right 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 and Steve Carell is just beyond measure I mean what was that thing he did the get smart yeah hey. I I freaked out my husband and I, we freaked out when he gets ejected from the plane in the bathroom right, right. which I did not see coming. I mean, I know that's not exactly improv. Surely that was written, but oh my God, <laughs> he is one of the funniest men alive, without question. He's right up there to me with the greats. Yeah, yeah, no, he's he's definitely done a lot of yeah. funny stuff. The music from this episode is by the Mountain Goats. The song "Going to Georgia" appeared on their first album, "The Pilot Machine." You can find out more about them at mountain-goats.com. So, um, besides, you know, uh, I mean, a, a lot of the great projects we've, we've talked about, uh, Loma Sunshine, and, um, and you were in something called Donnie Darko, but, eh, whatever. Uh, just is my having to be you my know. favorite. Hey, you know. Um. Working with a genius like Richard <laughs> Kelly. Jack <laughs> not bad. I, I'm, I'm curious to know just how, uh, often you get, um, not even recognized, because that's a given, um, but bothered by hardcore Donnie Darko fans. 
Well, I love Donnie Darko fans. Um, and the reason I thought, you know, you were because you've got a beard and long hair. <laughs> and it's, I mean, they don't all have that, but it's... Uh, Just the girls. I mean, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of goths, you know, but sure. highly intelligent people, yeah. it seems to me. Uh, right? My husband will testify to that. that is, uh, the, they are always really smart and they usually want to talk about, if they want to talk, they want to talk about ideas. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they do want me to say the sparkle motion sure. line, which I'm happy to say that, <laughs> that, I, that sometimes I doubt your commitment to sparkle motion. <laughs> uh, because I do love her self-righteousness in that moment is so fabulous. And yet her sincerity, you know, um, it's just such a, a, a great line and a great moment in the movie. And Richard Kelly, God bless him. All because of him. When I I tell you the story of getting that film, which is fun. Actually, I think I already have it on the uh, DVD. But I we were about to go on vacation to San Diego, and I got two scripts in one day. One was a world premiere of a Horton Foot play, and the other was Donnie Darko. And I was so mad because I wanted to go on vacation. I hardly ever go on vacation. <laughs> and my husband said, "You're gonna stay and read the scripts. You're not gonna go. You know, come to San Diego later. We're just going to San Diego. Come down later." So I first read the Horton Foot because they needed to know right away if I was going to do this play. So I read that, said, yes, I'll do it. Then I went out to dinner and then came back to read Donnie Darko. And I had opened it to one line about mice feces. And I thought, oh, God, it's one of those teenage movies, you know. <laughs> but then they said Jake was in it. I've known Jake since he was three years old. I believed in him since he was in sixth grade. When I first met him, he was the most gorgeous little boy in the world he came running across my in-laws lawn because he was best friends with my nieces saying Maggie Sarah Maggie Sarah with these big blue eyes and I said who is that darling child I mean he just has that charisma and energy and purity of spirit he's just so special and then in sixth grade show he sang uh from Phantom of the Opera the big song Bring in the Night or whatever it is Mm -hmm. and at sixth grade, he was 11 years old, and he takes center stage. I said, he's going to be a star. He's going to be this huge star. And my husband taught theater games for six weeks, and Jake was in the class, so we take full credit for his career. And, as, uh, as well, well you should. And, um, you know, he's just such a sweet person. So anyway, because he was starring in it, I thought, oh, my God, imagine working with Jake. Sure, sure. But then I start to read the script. And I'm reading one page, two page, three page, and I go, oh my God, this is like the script I've been waiting for all my life. Yeah. This is an art film. It's so special. It's got so much to say. So by the time I get to the last page, when he makes the big decision, for those two people who haven't seen the movie. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I don't even know if that counts. As, if, if you, haven't, you know what, though? My wife has not seen the movie, but she doesn't listen to this either, so that's... <laughs> <laughs> you have to tie her down and make her watch Donnie Darko. I shouldn't say that. That sounds no. weird. Um, anyway, <laughs> you, should, you should encourage her gently I will, to watch I will, the movie. I will, I will yeah, give her it's a, pretty a push beautiful. in that direction. It's a pretty beautiful movie. But anyway, at the end, yeah. I found myself literally standing up in my bed. Nice. Standing, going, oh my God, oh my God, I have to do this movie. I have to, and it's like 11.30 at night. I'm trying to call my husband. The cellular things aren't working. I have no one to call. Who can you call at 11.30? By the time I went in to meet Richard Kelly the next morning at 10, I was a hurricane. Nice. I was completely Kitty Farmer. I blew into the room like, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And 
so we find we talk and he said he really wanted it real this was not saturday night live and da, da, da. so he's the one that gave me the interpretation of yeah. he wanted her real he wanted to take it to the edge he wanted her to be anal retentive mm-hmm. opinionated kitty farmer but he wanted her to have heart and soul and be real and so i really did tone it down slightly because of that direction but and it was so much fun to take it to the edge so anyway at some point i made a mistake i was reading the line about sparkle motion or something and I called it miracles in motion and so <laughs> then I said oh shoot you have to give me this part and, and uh, uh, Sean told me later the producer that he said you had the part the second you walked into the room <laughs> they knew they had found her and I think they called me two hours later so nice, I nice. love that movie yeah it's a great and and uh, it's it's funny because when you said that it, it never occurred to me that that wasn't a, a it, that, that, that that was an over the top caricature of somebody. It never. I mean, there are people like that. Yeah, that was she was perfect, close. She was close. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. yeah but some people might think she's over the top. I don't she's think based so. On a real I honestly, don't, if you grew up in the south. Not yeah, not. Not if you grew up. Did <laughs> and, you grow up in the south? A lot of southern relatives uh, by way of Texas. Uh, uh, Arizona's the south, dude. Well, and yes. Southern California is the south. We're the south of the west. Yeah, but. <laughs> Well, I mean, Washington State is the South. Upstate New York is the South. I mean, really, it's just like... It's crackerdom, really. That's what it comes down to. It's America. It is America. It is America. Um, But, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I I think, I mean, toddlers and tiaras is, is, you know, is is there. Those those people are way more over the top. You know, I mean, and they're, you know, assuming a little bit of mugging for the camera, still... Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, but man, yeah. And and speaking of America, uh, and Jericho is a very American piece. Yes, uh, very American. Um, well, I, you know, I was so sad to die on that show. I cannot tell you how yeah. I mourned Gracie Lee. She was the most brilliant character for television. Like we were saying about Brian Cranston, she mm. not quite as extreme, but she was so complex. Yeah, she was a good person. She was well intentioned. She was just trying to save her life and just mm-hmm. be. You know, do the right thing, but she was greedy and selfish and complex. So I just never knew what they were going to write for me. But I knew from the pilot script I was going down because the young man who I took in said to me, I'm never going to let anything happen to you. And (laughs) I said to my husband, I am dead meat. Yeah, it's like when a a buddy cop partner says, you know, well, I've only got two weeks to retirement. Yeah, (laughs) you know, know he's going to take a bullet like two scenes, maybe three. And they made my deal for seven and I thought it was going to be seven. So I lasted through nine. So it was good. But when I got the call, I was just deeply depressed because I didn't see why I couldn't be head of the gang why couldn't I be the bad guy why couldn't I just like be right, Bob right, right. Barker or, or be or be another because I like I, I watched Jericho and I, I really liked it I, I um, you know I, I think a lot of people didn't know what to do with that show well, you know, viewers didn't know what to do with the show. It's, it's like, well, I'm just saying, after I died, ratings never went up again. I, I'm just saying. Hey. I'm just saying. I, I wonder if it's one of those shows that would have, it, it was only really a couple years later that premium cable, or not even premium cable, but um, what am I trying to say? Like, like the so, FX and the yeah, AMCs yeah, 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 and yeah. stuff. Extended, yeah. When, 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 like FX started doing more yeah. dramatic stuff. You know, you're right. Maybe the time was just a little ahead of its time. Yeah. I loved it. And Carol yeah. Barbies, who was the showrunner, is one of my best friends. I've known her since she and my husband and I did with Christopher Reeve, Summer and Smoke, Tennessee Williams play at the Almondson. And um, 
you know, Christopher Reeve had a crush on her, and she said yeah. no to Christopher Reeve. So come on, that girl's not. <laughs> nice. She's something else. Yeah, yeah. She, she had she had scripts to write and and, and TV shows to Stuff do. To do. So. I love her. I think she's. Yeah, great. she had uh, the Three Rivers, which was on the air for a little bit. On That's CBS. right. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew her assistant, uh, Lisa, uh, was in a writers group with her. Yeah, they're a great team. They really are. So love yeah. her. Love the experience. Desperately sad. Cried like a baby when I died. Yeah. We watched the show, and I just couldn't stop crying for a couple of weeks. Yeah. A lot of good people on that show. I was just looking yeah. at the list. Uh, Spray Graydon, who was on Sons of Anarchy, mm-hmm. um, and Six Feet Under, and which you were also on Six Feet. Oh, Under. I love my Six Feet Under yes. episode. The, uh, I got to have sex with Peter Krause. How R-rated <laughs> is your uh, radio show here, you by the way? You can be explicit if you like. Okay, great. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised. I'm, what a man. I, I, think only because the, I, think, I think only because the baby showed up, I haven't dropped a, a number of F-bombs. And I also I also was ranting to Brody before we started taping, before you guys showed up, about, about a completely unrelated topic. <laughs> so I think I exhausted myself with any cuss words I wanted to get out. But you feel free. Well, my Six Feet Under story is actually a fun story because I had um, actually had a few roles written for me for Six Feet Under, mm-hmm. but for various reasons, I didn't get them, and, um, which is ironic, and not the only time it's happened, by the way. Uh, it's so odd. <laughs> Whenever a writer calls and says, I've written this great part for you, I think, not getting that one. Um, but We're they, looking for someone more you than you. Yeah, more, more <laughs> me than me. Well, And I've had people say to, the, to my agent, well, Beth is the prototype for the role, but we don't want to see her. I'm the prototype, but I'm not right for it. Okay. Um, so anyway, in this case, um, I did get this role finally, but I read it and saw that I would be having sex with Peter Krause. And so I went to my husband and I said, honey, you know, look, uh, there's the thing. If you really feel uncomfortable about this, I won't do it. It's not that big a deal. It's the fourth time they've called me in and, you know, I don't have to do it. I explained the situation that he's actually, you know, mourning the death of his wife and he has a fantasy about me mm-hmm. because he's trying to figure out death and I, my family's very spiritual. They're born again Christians and they're not, you know, they know I've gone to heaven and he, you know, is an agnostic, blah, blah, blah. So I finished this long thing to my husband and he says, let's rehearse. <laughs> Excellent. And we very did. Good. And good. we did. We rehearsed. <laughs> Several times, so that by the time I got to the set, I was like completely confident. And you know, I'm a little older, and they weren't sure how I would react to everything. And so it was a Friday night. Director came up to me and he said, Okay, so they cleared the set, nobody on the crew. He says, We're just going to rehearse and we'll see how it goes. And when you're comfortable, we'll shoot. But no rush, no problem. So I'm thinking, I've been rehearsing. I know what I'm doing. He says, just, you know, you come out of the bathroom, and we'll we'll see how it goes. So I come out of the bathroom, and it's bing, bang, boom. And he says, okay, well, we'll shoot then, because I was completely (laughs) comfortable. Peter Krause is so happy, because he's been mourning the death of his wife Uh for two uh months. It's the first episode where he's gotten to, you know, do anything fun. Mm -hmm. So we just had a blast, and I think we got out early that night. (laughs) Another rarity for for, like, a sex scene or anything complicated. But you know what was weird? was getting in that coffin I did not care for it and they kept saying now if you feel uncomfortable let us know and we'll give you a break and I said it's a big deal you're lying in the coffin I'm thinking this is the easiest job and they said I said okay and so we get in there now don't forget just let us know you can come right out I said okay fine so I get and I'm lying there and I went need a break I mean I just (laughs) blew your listeners ears out but it is freaky to lie in a coffin yeah because you realize yeah. that in fact someday yeah, you're yeah. gonna die. Yeah, yeah. 
the worms crawl in, the worms crawl out. I gonna, mean, you know. You're going to be there for serious. Yeah, I, I get you. Didn't care for it. I, they, yeah. must get, they must have gotten that a lot. They must, they must have gotten because that's why they were so kind to me and very yeah, yeah. and I did take a lot of breaks. I could last, you know, ten minutes and I'm up and I was so glad when that part was over. I wow. didn't I didn't mind getting killed. Right, right, right. You know, which it was a great death scene on yeah. that show too, because I got to, you know, think that I was going off to the rapture and the, the the mannequins from the porn industry were floating up to heaven. I thought they were angels <laughs> and so I run into traffic. All that was fun, right, fine, right, right. but I've died a lot, actually. And yeah. it doesn't bother me to die, but to be dead is different. You know, the handful of, um, and as listeners of this show know, I've done a handful of acting jobs and very small things, but um, I've never minded dying. I've never minded um, being dead. I have only had a weird experience when I had to inflict violence. It was very hard for me. That's because mm. Brody's not in touch with his anger. Oh, back to the beginning of the show. Absolutely. He is afraid of his anger. There we go. Well, you can cancel him now. I should. I think with every show, you I can do. have a little, a little moment bit. of... We do. I think we usually do have a little breakthrough with Brody. Brody, <laughs> Brody gets gro- gro- grows a little. Yeah. What is, what is seriously, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not joking. What's <laughs> the Patty Chayefsky movie, A Network? Uh, I'm oh, yeah, mad yeah. as hell and I'm not going to... Come on, let's hear it. I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it. We can open the window and you can stick your head out the window. I'll take, well, I'll take it a little bit longer. <laughs> okay, you take um, it a little bit longer. <laughs> I had a funny thing. I was doing a movie for Rich Kelly, actually, that he produced, and I'm trying to think of the name of it. Oh, I can't think of the name of it. Was it Southland Tales? No, yeah, it wasn't that, but it's not that one. It's the one he produced that came out fairly recently. Yeah, Endgame. Endgame, thank you. Uh, Endgame. Operation Endgame. Operation Endgame, and I had to shoot somebody... And so we finished the take, and all of a sudden, everybody laughs hysterically. They're laughing. I said, what's so funny? Apparently, I held the gun out, and I said, bang, bang. <laughs> that's, I think that's actually not uncommon. I think that's actually not uncommon. <laughs> well, it was very funny. I didn't even know I'd done it. <laughs> so we did another take where I didn't. Did not do the bang, bang. <laughs> the baby seems upset about the that. The baby doesn't like this violent talk. We should be talking about something nicer, like Barney or something. Well, the, the one more note I want to hit and um, is uh, another... She just hit a high C. Yeah. She's, she's got lungs on her. She likes to sing, too. Is And I have to uh, cop to having... I've been saving this movie, so I, I have not seen it yet. It's one of those things where I'm trying to get my wife to sit down and watch it to me mm-hmm. with me. It's uh, No Country for Old Men. Mm. I just finally got her to watch Miller's Crossing, which is... Which is what's my favorite one until No Country. Yeah, yeah. yeah brilliant. Um, I, I can't decide between Raising Arizona and Miller's Crossing. I like them both for very the, 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 Yeah, no, you can't. I don't think you can put them in the same category. Yeah. But, uh, Comedy, Raising Arizona, obviously drama. Don't catch right, right. Don't, don't. So th- this is one I've been saving for, for, for my wife and I to watch together, but um, uh, I know you have a very prominent role in that. Well, I've seen it uh, ten times now, yeah. and I'm here to tell you I love it beyond measure. It is a perfect film. It is perfect. It is, to me, their masterpiece, and I love everything they've ever done. I love Old Brother Where Out There. Miller's Crossing were my favorites until this right. but it I, the, the boldness to not use music and to create that stillness yeah. of yeah. West Texas and the boldness of that hairdo on Javier <laughs> that was the boys I mean that was uh, the boys I can't believe I called them that that's what Mary Zofries calls them I am not entitled to call them that I call them sir and sir <laughs> Mr. and Mr. Cohen I love them so much I just I was so glad that they got 
what I wanted to do with the role. And then, speaking of Mary Zorfried, she's the one that came up with the wig and the glasses and the beanie boobies. I play a lot older, you'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully unrecognizable in the role. <laughs> when somebody recognizes me from that, I get a little depressed. <laughs> um, but uh, I was so glad that we had the same sense of humor. And In fact, when we did the big, the biggest day, uh, we finished four hours early. Yeah. And they came over and they said, is there anything else you want to do? And I said, no, that's kind of what I came to do. And I was, th- I was thinking... Nude scene, anything, <laughs> anything to stay on the I don't set. Know, you got something? <laughs> got something, I'll do it. Because right. um, I just loved them so much. And my daughter got to meet them because she was on the set that day visiting. So it was just great. Yeah. My daughter's met Sandra Bullock, Jimmy Carter, and the Coen brothers. Not bad. Nice. I'm sending her yeah. off to That's all right. pretty good, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, I and mean, she's going off to Juilliard now. And yeah. How is has that? You've as done a, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so far, so good. It's it's bittersweet, I'm sure, because mm-hmm. you know it's, it's very very success, but you have to say goodbye. Yeah, it's um, well, I intend to get a play in New York. That's my yeah. solution. Yeah. <laughs> so, but no, I really feel great about it. I, I I've had some very sad moments, but I'm starting to adjust to it and feel really great about it. I think Juilliard is so good. They have this wonderful new program. Jim Houghton, who used to run Signature Theater, has taken over. He's been there four years. He's they now have. A graduating class that were there the whole four years uh, since he's been there, yeah. and I think it is the new, better, and more exciting Juilliard, and she's going to be in good hands. That's saying something too, because Juilliard has always, always been, been the great. benchmark yeah. for you know. But it used my husband went there too, and it's uh, was very cruel in my opinion. Uh-huh. Me who went to East Carolina University uh, State School, but Sandra Bullock went there, and Kevin Williamson went there. We had a lot of good people, but. I, my view of Juilliard from the people that I knew, and I had a lot of friends that went there and worked with people, that it was very cruel. Mm-hmm. I mean, that John Houseman, and it was the, you know, just kind of like they and they kind of didn't. See, get, I mean, she's ready for Juilliard I, I, now. I, I, she's going to go in the I, opera. Let me let me go get her and see. <laughs> well, I know we've taken enough of y'all's time anyway. No, so no, no, that's all right. Bless her. <gasps> who is this? She wants to see who this is. Look at her. Now, my daughter used to have that same hairdo. <laughs> this is natural. This is, there's, yeah. there's nothing, nothing's been done but, but accidentally pull out a couple of them. Hey there. Boy, you're hi. gorgeous. You're pretty I'm, I'm excited for for the day that Matilda can tell everybody <laughs> about all the people that come in and out of her house. Yeah. You know. Can you say hi? That What's Grant up? was here. What's up? You sure are gorgeous. Nice to meet you. I'm Beth. Can you say hi, Beth? Hi. And this is Michael. Can you say hi, Michael? Hi. We can pull back the curtains a little bit, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. We That's have husband a Michael. Has been here the whole time. a big girl. I've been doing my mime act. So. <laughs> Very accomplished actor in his own right. Mm. Yeah, L.A. Confidential, not a bad film to be in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just do the If line. you like that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't get best picture because, gosh, Titanic beat it. Mm-hmm. I still was thrilled. You know, I took me, I finally saw Titanic a couple <laughs> years back, so by this rate I'll see Avatar in 2030. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. I had a little chip on my shoulder about Titanic, so I need to watch it again for two reasons. One, I was up to play the role that Kathy Bates got. Mm. And not only did I not get it, they had, I think he had offered it first maybe to Reba McIntyre and then Kathy Bates turned it down. And then they saw uh, the plebeians like me. And I heard I was kind of in the running. And then I heard that Kathy Bates was doing it and that James Cameron had written her a personal check 
for $100,000. I said, how bad was I <laughs> that he would write a personal Jeez. check to Kathy Bates to desperately get her? I said, I guess my test didn't go quite as well as I thought. But God bless Mally Finn for rooting for me back in the day. Anyway. I still haven't seen it. I, I have not seen it. But I'm also, I'm well, definitely... I don't want to, so let's not tell him how it ends. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Good work. Uh, but your love will I, go on. There's like an iceberg. And on. Yeah, I, I still haven't seen it, and it was one of those... I, I can't recall whether or not it was because I was busy at the time and wasn't seeing a lot of movies, but uh, it certainly got to the point where when it got huge, I was I just refused to see it on general principle. I was that guy. I was totally... Yeah. Everybody likes it? Forget it. Well, I'll tell you something. That was a brilliant script. When I read that script, I put my head on my kitchen table and sobbed. Mm, I mm. loved it so much. And it it just became so much bigger and more about special effects than the script was. But, I mean, he really did write a brilliant script. Uh, And uh, it was very humane and the... Pathos was pathos, the pa- yeah. or the pathos right. if you're from Alabama. <laughs> uh, was I mean, it was heartfelt. So it did yeah. start with a good script. Well, he's I mean, that's the thing, and he's done stuff that I've really liked in the past. It's it Avatar, Brody, no spoilers, boo, thumbs down. <laughs> I mean, the story was just not there. There was just I didn't care about it. Was it, it? It I didn't really care about any of the characters. The uncanny valley thing with seeing Sigourney Weaver as a alien cat with Sigourney Weaver's face. Weird. Just, it's the uncanny valley. It's the uncanny valley. It's not quite real enough and not quite fake enough. And it just, it threw me completely out of it and made me start thinking about what was that Alfred Hitchcock said that there's refrigerator films where you, uh, and when you're at home after seeing them, you think, you start thinking of about the holes in the plot. This was not even that. It was like, I immediately started going, oh, this, this. And, and my wife, um, there's a big, pivotal scene in the film and she's like that's just like 9-11 and I'm like yes it is exactly like 9-11 it could not if they had twin towers shaped exactly like the World Trade Center it could not be more like 9-11 it's just like I, I don't you know in an adventure film I don't just <laughs> what's that your clippy yeah fridge logic fridge logic yeah exactly uh, you know, I, I don't have to have complete subtlety in everything that I, in an adventure film, but can you at least pay some lip service to subtlety? The great thing about fridge logic is um, you can use it as a murder weapon, and if the cops come over to your house, <laughs> thank you. you can, thank you. All right. Remember that? In fact, wasn't it uh, Alfred Hitchcock television show? Uh, I wish I could think of the actress who killed her husband with yes. the leg of lamb. That's, that was the thank you. That and was the down and ate it. That's what Brody was going for, and I shut him down on it. <laughs> I messed up, honey. No, no, you did fine. You did fine. And what was, do you matter of fact, matter of fact, you made it even funnier than it was with me shutting him down. <laughs> well, instead of picking on me, let us promote the play one more time. Uh, People can uh, get tickets. Uh, well, I don't know if it's at the door, or I know they can go to... You can pay at the door. The LATC.org. LATC.org. And um, it's $15 suggested donation. I'm sure if you refuse to donate, they would still let you in. But who would do that? Who would do don't that? Don't be a jerk. Support theater. April 29th and 30th, May 6th and 7th, LATC. Yeah. And still, then we... Ha- oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that's it. And then we have uh, to look forward to Trials and Tribulations of a Tra- Trailer Trash Housewife. Housewife. And I have a voice in Rango right now. Oh, that's wonderful. Which is fun, which I can't even recognize myself. My daughter had to poke me every time. She said, that's you. 
that's you. That's I didn't couldn't recognize myself. It was bizarre. Yeah. But uh, that's an esoteric movie. I I've not got to see it yet, but I, I know it's doing very well, and it's. Um... It's gonna be a surprise. I mean, to me, it was a surprise. It's very Hunter S. Thompson. I mean, I knew that they were doing kind of a that they're. I knew that was happening, but I, I didn't realize how much. It's it's very uh, yeah. eggheady. All the egg, all the Donnie Darko fans should like Rango. I think. Very cool, very cool. And then um, and then I have one opening at the Newport uh, Festival called Valley of the Sun, uh, and uh, I I well it's it's about a porn star who comes home to his parents, uh, Barry Corbin and I in, in Sun Valley. Okay. And. Uh, tries to go straight so to speak yes yes that, that one is called uh, Valley of the Sun yes and that and it be premiering at a Newport Newport Fil- Beach Film Festival, Film Festival May 4th May 4th okay mm-hmm. so that's another thing that um, those of you listeners in LA uh, Newport's near LA yes we're talking Newport Beach I still I've only been here Four or five years, I still have not seen the whole lay of the land. I just started yes. working in Newport, Santa Monica. Would you look up Valley of the Sun and read that fantastic cast? Because yes. I am going completely blank. I would be happy to. I know. Um, Graham, is is it Graham? Oh, here we go. Valley of the Sun with Beth Grant, Graham Green, Graham Green, Fernando, or Fernando, Lara, and. Um, Barry Corbin. And Barry Corbin and I started out together in New York. Johnny Whitworth. Oh, yes, and Johnny Whitworth is the star. Yes, Should yes. have mentioned him first. Um, I take him for granted. I shouldn't take him for granted. He's from a uh, brilliant From actor. Charleston, South Carolina. Originally, that's right. I'd yeah. forgotten that. Yeah. He's um, a really great actor. He was in uh, The Rainmaker that Coppola directed. Okay. And then he kind of got out of the business for a while, but I think he's going to come back with a vengeance with this movie. Garrett Morris. Yeah, Garrett Morris. That's the one I was trying to think of. I knew there was somebody that was like gonna surprise you. Yeah, he's uh he owns um does he does he still have his comedy club downtown? Uh, downtown LA. I haven't yeah. I haven't looked at the listings in. He was like anything. just just on Oprah. They were talking to the Saturday Night Live cast. And oh, yeah. They did a little segment with him. And they talked about that. yeah uh, owning the club there. So, well, wonderful. Um, and is there anywhere, are you are you doing a Twitter thing or anything? You know, I have a Twitter account, but I haven't tweeted. Yeah. I'm going to, though. My plan is, it's Beth Grant Actor, and my plan is to get it up and running very, very soon. Cool. Several people have requested me, and if it's you, if you're listening, I'm sorry I haven't <laughs> tweeted, and I'm sorry I haven't accepted you. I don't know how, but I'm going to. Very cool. So I'm going you, to learn soon. If you keep your eyes on that audience, then... You can keep following what, what Very soon. Beth's doing. But I am on Facebook, and that's about as tech as I've gotten. But I'm going to do better. <laughs> it's just, I, I find it, uh, I've, I've, um, I've interacted with a lot of people that are really, really, you know, famous and, and, and working folks. You know, it's like there's just a ton of people on Twitter, and it's been really, really interesting. A lot of writers that I admire and a lot of comedians that I admire on Twitter. Um and just, I've made some really good friends. That's I think really if you fun. get the hang of it, it could be really fun. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's challenging because you have a limit of, what, 140 characters? It is 140 characters. It, so it I makes like you... that challenge of being witty it, yes. and keeping them abreast of things at the same time. Yeah, it's yeah. Kind of, so I, I hope to do it. I was just thinking about that this morning. Funny you mentioned it. So thank you so much for having me on Absolutely. the show. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. You're great guys. We're going to have to have uh, Michael on the show so he can actually talk. 
Yeah. yeah, Michael Chifo, my husband, has been sitting here. Give him your line from uh, L.A. Confidential, honey. He was the corner on L.A. Confidential. <laughs> just just the facts, Jack. Just the facts. Michael Chifo, ladies and gentlemen. Thank Michael you. Chifo. Thank you so much. Worth the wait. It was 100% worth the wait. I think that's just about the... As good as the radio show is going to be. <laughs> we'll do that gonna... line again. And then I tried it this other way, and I started to laugh. And, uh, Kevin didn't like me laughing at so, it. So we could go on the road with our two lines. You could do that so. line, and That's I could right. do the sparkle motion line. We could, you could, we could sell any tickets. I don't know. It would be like a Meisner technique. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it would be better than whatever Sheen's putting on right now. Yeah. <laughs> I see, I'm not going to bad mouth it. I'm not going to bad mouth Everybody pray for that. <laughs> I mean, seriously, we need no, to pray him. I mean, it's like Britney, you can't do it. I love it. Yeah. Who's the Scottish comedian that has a show that I love? Oh, Ferguson. Craig Ferguson. Ferguson. When he came on one night and said he wasn't going to make any jokes about yeah. Britney, I agree with you. I yeah. think, you know, God bless them. They're dying in front of us. So. Well, and again, and again, I mean, everybody makes their life choices, but, you know, why are you going to be the person that's going to get, you know, what are you going to get out of? making fun of somebody else for that. I mean, I think if you're making a cogent joke, it's not like I haven't made cruel or capricious make jokes. Make fun of Dick Cheney. Before. If you want to make fun of somebody, let's make fun of I Sarah Palin, Dick Cheney. I think you can make fun of anybody, but, but, but it's it's very, like, you know, it's very, if you have something cogent to say and, and or witty to say, that's fine. But I think so much of it is that, you know, just like, pointing and laughing it's like stuff. bathroom humor it's easy yeah exactly exactly if you have something cogent to say then go ahead and say it but other than that boo <laughs> yeah you know, I agree what a good note to end the show on oh, <laughs> I agree God yeah. bless everybody in the whole wide world <laughs> right <laughs> see so until next time I am Brody Foster Hubbard I'm Gene George I'm Beth Grant and this is my husband Michael Chifo peace <laughs> I dig it. I like it. Perfect, oh, y'all are great. You can find us on the internet at shakytownradio.com. You can Twitter us at at shakytownradio. You can like us on Facebook at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash shakytownradio. Send us an email at shakytownradio at gmail.com or call us on the Shakytown Radio hotline at 626-66-SHAKE. That's 667-4253. That's the same number. <laughs> <laughs>